and we are live. Good morning, everybody. It's your favorite truck driver in the whole wide world, ex-truck driver in the whole wide world. It's Bitcoin Ben here for the morning. What the pluck is going on in cryptocurrencies and the rest of the world. Now, my friends, on today's show, we are going to talk about, surprisingly enough, Bitcoin. Yes, my friends, there are so few people involved and invested in the Bitcoin, in in retail, let let me say it that way. There's so few retail people in the Bitcoin right now. We have people who rushed in in 2017. They didn't know a lot about it. They heard something from somebody. They had a friend who did something with somebody. But they didn't understand the shift, the transition that we're going into. Now, just last week, the CEO of BlackRock, said in an interview that the Bitcoin is the future how the future lowest layer of future financial economic monetary system let me translate my sexy crypto friends the bitcoin standard the base layer the gold the energy of the economic universe is going to be Bitcoin. The reason why is it is decentralized. Let me explain. Then we're going to go over and watch an interview with the best of the best. I think I'm pretty good, but Michael Saylor is the best of the best explaining the intricacies of the future monetary system. And if you grasp what he says, if you understand that in the future, the value of your house will only be its use value. It will not be relied on as a retirement hedge that the only asset that will be, will be Bitcoin. No one is gonna hold their wealth long-term in anything except cryptos, like the Bitcoin, the Litecoin, Ethereum, 
and mostly it's going to go into the Bitcoin. At least for the next 20 years. And I'll tell you why. Because as this goes, there's going to be a FOMO like we have never seen for the next seven years, for the next eight years, for the next eight years, we are going to have corporations, governments, individuals, everyone in their brother is going to try to get a hold of as much friggin' Bitcoin as possible because they understand that the Bitcoin is the future digital land, the future digital property. For the next 100, 200, 500 years, the Bitcoin is going to be absorbing, capturing all of the labor and economic energy of the globe. Once you understand that, once you understand that everything else, everything, everything, everything is going to crash in price against the Bitcoin. Everything. Lambos, houses, food, gas, oil, everything will crash, crash against the Bitcoin. Because the Bitcoin, folks, we have eight, about eight and a half more years before the inflation rate of the Bitcoin is so low that it is basically a a locked supply. Once we hit 2032, and on the inflation rate on the Bitcoin will be so low that the average person, it will look like it's nothing. That means the amount of the Bitcoin produced each year will be so low that it will look like and act like it is a like it's already hit its highest supply. Once that happens, Folks, in eight and a half years, if there is still a dollar value, I don't know that there will be a dollar value of actual Bitcoin. It will be into the millions per coin, 
into the millions. This is the opportunity of a, not even a lifetime. This is the opportunity of a family's lifetime, of a generational lifetime. If you, if you don't act, if you don't purchase any Bitcoin, your family is gonna look back and go, what in the f- were you doing? You couldn't get a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. You couldn't get a thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin when you had the opportunity. You were watching the chubby ex truck driver who ironically is amazingly good looking. You were watching that guy and it never occurred to you, maybe grab some, maybe hop on cash app, grab a few hundred bucks, just put it away. Everyone hearing my voice right now, you know it to be true. I feel like Yoda. You know to be known to however the hell he talks. We're at the point And I'm not the one saying it, folks. I remember when I started my show. And I was explaining everything Michael Saylor is saying now. I was explaining back then. And everybody thought I was crazy. Everybody. I had other influencers who were like, look, Ben, $50,000 Bitcoin. I didn't mean that. That sounds nice. But it's never going to happen, Ben. They won't let it happen. And I would explain It's in the code. It's in the code. It isn't that I, it wasn't that I had a crystal ball and I'm looking into it and I'm like, oh, wise crystal ball. Tell me the future. No. It's in the code. It's like writing an email, sending it, and then being surprised that it arrives at the other email address. Of course it will. It's in the code. Sweet. Jilly Dilly says, I opened my Caleb and Brown account, all set up to add my crypto stash. 
Security process was top-notch, as always. Their minimum purchase now, only 500 They dropped it. Awesome. So, for you guys, Caleb and Brown is my boys. I'm the longest-lasting relationship Caleb and Brown has had me. I got going with them when they were working out of the CEO's house. Now the the ex-CEO is retired. But I highly recommend, and guys and gals, Caleb and Brown, under here, links there. You save 30% using my link, right? Word from the sponsor. By the way, check out the new Calyx Solutions advertisement. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, 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 hodl. Calyx Solutions created Liberty laptops with the intent of securing your online experience from data leaks and unwanted tracking of your personal data. There has never been a more critical time for protecting your online presence than now. Take a moment to see what the Liberty laptops provide. The Liberty laptop is the smartest way to interact with the world. Enjoy a profound sense of security while surfing the web through safe and anonymous web browsing. Worried about your personal information leaking to data brokers and hackers? With the Liberty Laptop, you can shop at your favorite online retailers and listen to your favorite online music and even interact with social media without exposing your data to corporations and governments. At Calix Solutions, we arrange and modify your laptop so that the operating system does not track or trace your every online movement. We use our proprietary modification methods to secure your Liberty Laptop and provide information on recommended software that you use for your online security. Once you receive your Liberty Laptop, you will be able to maneuver online more securely and safely. In today's world, you have to protect your identity at every level of life. Online is no longer safe and anonymous. With the Liberty Laptop, you can finally interact with the internet without giving up your privacy. Welcome to the new way of being online. Brought to you by Calix Solutions. Go to calixsolutions.io, call or text 702-845-8276 or email info at calixsolutions.io. Merry Christmas and remember to hodl the holidays. Now that. <laughs> and yes, I used AI to create that. It took me about 15 minutes. I'm, I'm actually going to make a lot more, but I have a warning for you guys. Patrick now has access to that software. So get ready for some weird-ass Calyx Solutions commercials. You might have like a hunter out there aiming at an elk or something and saying here at Kalen Solutions, we will help you protect your privacy with extreme precision, just like shooting this elk. You never know what Patrick, but there's always an underlying joke there somewhere. Watch for it. All right, now, I want to play this interview because out of all of the interviews of Michael Saylor, this one is absolutely he nails it. And the headline of it is Big 
Bitcoin is coming to Wall Street. My friends, hold on for dear life. Because if you don't get FOMO from this interview, I, I, I don't know. This is like... <laughs> This is, this gets me physically aroused. Now, <laughs> it's Monday, and I am the one and only, the Bitcoin Ben. Here's Michael Saylor. My God, folks, hodl. I'm switching to the English now, yes? Michael Saylor, welcome to Innsbruck. Yeah, thanks for having me. The great thing about talking yesterday is that we do come prepared, so we have three main topics today, but I do have one question that we all want to know, is do you ever get tired about, of talking about Bitcoin? No, no, I'm running on Bitcoin. But how many hours do you do that every day? There's so much, there's so much material of you out there. You know, I think every, every day you get up and there's something new that's going on in the Bitcoin ecosystem to think about. And uh, it never stops until you go to sleep. And then on the weekends, it's still happening. And some people think that's a negative, right? Some people like the idea that the stock market stops trading at 4 p.m. on Friday and it doesn't start trading until 9.30 a.m. on Monday. But I think that's a weakness of the 20th century. And I think uh, the differentiating factor of Bitcoin for the 21st century is it never sleeps anywhere in the world. And that means there's always something to consider. And that makes it the most interesting asset in the world. And, uh, and that's a competitive advantage. In, in the world we live in, there are hundreds of thousands of things competing for your attention. And the winner is going to be the most interesting thing. I mean, that is pretty true. That is pretty true. Also, weekends are for saving the fiat system, you know, crisis, crisis situations. Um, since we've talked last year here in Innsbruck, there have been many things happening. One of the most important thing is... BlackRock, BlackRock now wants to do an ETF. There is dozens of other ETFs um, applications out there. Just please give us your picture of where Bitcoin is standing today as an asset. Um, what has changed in the last year or so? Is there reasons to be optimistic? Is there reasons to be fearful of an actor like BlackRock? Um, I, I think that from the years 2020 to 2024, that was the great transition of Bitcoin from being a, a retail asset in the crypto ecosystem, uh, offshore, unregulated, poorly understood, the Wild West. And uh, by the end of 2024, it will have emerged as an institutional asset in, uh, in the mainstream financial ecosystems on Wall Street. Bitcoin's coming to Wall Street. And this is, uh, it's like, uh, I guess like college, you know. <laughs> you started as a child and then you left home and freshman year is very scary. And you've got four years of adjustment and you come and you encounter people that are better educated than you or smarter than you that come from parts of the world you've never been front uh, to maybe that have more power than you and initially it's a bit scary but by the end of your college education uh, you're ready to go out in the world and compete with everybody else and i think that uh coming out of 2024 bitcoin is emerging as uh, an institutional great asset and it's it's not going to be competing with um the bitcoin forks or other proof of work coins or you know Sam Bankman-Fried's favorite yo-yo token, 
uh, but it's, or, or, you know, apes or cats or, you know, crazy crypto things, it won't be thought of as that. It's going to be competing against owning a block of real estate in London or owning New York or owning a ton of gold or owning a building or perhaps owning a billion dollars of the S&P index or owning a million shares of Apple stock. And so definitely nobody thought that in 2019 or 2020. Uh, but if Bitcoin's going to grow up, right? Horseshit. I did. That's why, that's why I, that's why I got so damn popular. I was the only one saying that Bitcoin was going to replace the bonds, the land, the, all of it as a monetary store of value. Bitcoin's on a path to go from nothing to 500 billion to 10 trillion to 100 trillion dollars to 200 trillion. At some point, it should be 10, 20, 30 percent of all of the wealth in the world. If it's going to grow up like that, then it's inevitable that it had to be embraced and was going to be embraced by Wall Street. So if we consider the significance of BlackRock and the ETF. First of all, the real, the real important point is there's broad-based consensus now that Bitcoin is an asset class. And, and that's a major revolution. If Fidelity and BlackRock and, and if 10 other ETF issuers all agree that, that Bitcoin is an asset class, right, it, it, it should be 10x to 100x bigger than it is right now. Um, there's also a broad-based agreement that sometime in the next year, a spot ETF will be approved. And that's also significant. I think the third significance is this is not uh, BlackRock taking over Bitcoin. This is Bitcoin, you know, being embraced by BlackRock, right? This is Bitcoin being embraced by Wall Street. No, nobody on Wall Street, none of these ETFs, none of these leaders of these money managers have, have said, we just heard about Bitcoin, we're here to fix it. What they've said is, we heard about Bitcoin, it seems like everybody in the world wants it. And since we offer people gold and bonds and equity and other forms of investment options, uh, we have a vacuum and we are lacking and we won't be complete until we're offering a Bitcoin product. So I'm not concerned about it. I think it's uh, to be expected. I also think it's uh, everybody that joins the Bitcoin ecosystem with humility helps, right? When, when, uh, when Block shows up with Cash App and they build Bitcoin into Cash App, with respect to the protocol, they're helping, provide, helping Bitcoin. They're providing an on-ramp to Bitcoin. Not the only one. When you create a new signing device, you're helping Bitcoin. When you create a new node uh, or, you know, uh, any kind of software that helps you run a Bitcoin node, you're helping Bitcoin. When you're, uh, when you're buying Bitcoin, you're helping Bitcoin. How you buy Bitcoin, right, is, a, is of less importance than the fact that you respect the protocol and you're assisting it. So there's a whole class of investors uh, that cannot currently buy Bitcoin and they can't support Bitcoin. Right. You, you could say, well, one way to support Bitcoin is is I buy the Bitcoin. I hold my own keys. That's true. That's probably the purest way to support Bitcoin. But um, MicroStrategy supports Bitcoin by buying Bitcoin. And there are a lot of investors in MicroStrategy that can't buy the underlying asset, but they could buy the MicroStrategy stock. That's another way to do it. We're levered long, so we're, you have to study our financials because you have to get comfortable with the way we do it. And there's a thousand pages to read. So a lot of people might not want to read the thousand pages and figure out whether or not MicroStrategy's Bitcoin strategy is good or bad. So a spot ETF 
uh, allows them to buy $100 million of Bitcoin in one minute without putting up any cash, without rebuilding all their systems. So anybody that's got $10 billion of capital, they have a compliance system, an accounting system, a compensation system, a control system, a risk management system. They have a bank. The bank actually, they have a collateral system. So all of these systems allow an employee working for the company for two years to punch a button and buy $10 million of something like Apple stock or government bonds or S&P index. What, and so that's what you would expect if, if you're running the pension fund of a, of a fireman's union. You know, you expect those controls. And if you're going to create a scalable system, you need all of those systems, if not to make sure that no one steals all your money, to make sure that you actually pay your taxes and you compensate people and then you can do your accounting and you can do your reporting. So they can't buy Bitcoin right now. And the only way to buy Bitcoin the, the hardcore maxi way is they have to rebuild every single one of those systems. It took 30 years to build those systems. They're not rebuilding a parallel system that took 30 years to buy one new thing. So if Bitcoin wants the support of Wall Street, then it needs to be built into the BlackRock money management systems and the Fidelity money management systems. And this ETF is critical for that because the existing ETFs, the futures-based ETFs, are bleeding 10% of the capital a year. If you put a billion dollars uh, into a, a futures-based ETF, you will probably pay $100 million a year in lost capital because of the inefficiency of the futures market. So uh, right now, people don't have, uh, that is, institutional investors don't have any easy way to support Bitcoin or buy it in an, in an economically responsible fashion. And so they just stay out. When you see these spot ETFs uh, get put in place, you're going to be creating the equivalent of a six-lane superhighway between Wall Street and Bitcoin. And now you're going to see billions and billions of dollars flow. In some cases, billions a week. In some cases, could be billions a day. And until you see it, you won't see, you won't see any capital flow from those institutions. It's trapped in the 20th century asset classes. We've seen a lot of activity from Gary Gensler and the SEC regarding differentiating Bitcoin from crypto. Do you expect this to continue? Do you expect more clarity even before the, the ETFs are um, probably approved? And also, um, are, you see, are you starting to see a narrative change from Wall Street? Because if somebody like Larry Fink is going to embrace uh, Bitcoin, suddenly there is no reputational problem there. Uh, more uh, by embracing it. Um, there's more reputational problem by not embracing it, but Bitcoin still has this um, image, right? Uh, that in the media, and it's not gone away within like a day or two, but can you see the first signs? I think the, the most important thing that's happened in the past 24 months is that Bitcoin has emerged as a legitimate institutional grade asset and as a legitimate ethical commodity. And um, if you roll the clock back to 2019, there are a lot of people that weren't sure, is it a commodity, is it a security, is it legitimate, uh, is it going away, is it not going away? To be established as a, uh, a legitimate institutional asset, it must be a commodity. Because if it's a security, it's an unregistered security. So an unregistered security is not an institutional grade asset. No legitimate investor on Wall Street, no one who is a custodian or a trustee of someone else's money can buy an unregistered security. It just can't happen. Uh, so what you have is a question, is Bitcoin a commodity or not? That has been resolved over the past 24 months via the endorsement of two heads of the SEC, Jay Clayton and Gary Gensler, the head of the CFTC, Boston Benham. It has been it has been underscored by speeches by the head of the EU Central Bank, the head of the U.S. Central Bank, the head of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, 
it's really it's been in, implied, if not if not stated, in uh, statements by the White House. It has been endorsed by leading Republican candidates like Ron DeSantis and leading Democratic candidates like Robert Kennedy. It has been endorsed and underscored by senators like Cynthia Lummis and Ted Cruz, and by Congress uh, people like Tom Emmer, right, uh, like Patrick McHenry. And, had, and, and it has been acknowledged by uh, a nonstop parade of money managers. Last week, uh, Mohammed El Arian pointed out that it's not going away. It has been acknowledged by Larry Fink on CNBC, on Fox. It has been acknowledged by uh, any number of journalists on CNBC, on Fox, on Bloomberg. If you roll the clock back uh, to, I guess, Tesla Day or Elon Musk Day, when Elon announced that he bought Bitcoin, the day before, everybody in the crypto community and the Bitcoin community lamented the fact that mainstream media never wrote about us. Right? It wasn't that long ago, 2020, there was no mainstream coverage. And then all of a sudden, there was an avalanche of coverage. So the fact that uh, Bitcoin is on the front page of the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, Bloomberg, it's on television, right? And it is acknowledged as an asset class not going away. That's probably uh, the greatest achievement of the past 24 months. Um, when FASB announced the support for fair value accounting, they wouldn't have done that unanimously if there was any question as to whether Bitcoin was a commodity or an unregistered security, right? If, if, if Bitcoin's an unregistered security, then it's little better than a pump and dump scheme of a petty stock or a boiler room, you know, antic from the Wolf of Wall Street. And, you know, the accounting profession is, is not going to take up the cause of some, of some random penny stock that someone wants to pump and dump. So what you have is a, is a sequence of activities by politicians, by regulators, by the mainstream media, by accountants, by the, and by the legal profession. I left out judges, who, uh, lawyers, but more importantly, judges who have actually acknowledged Bitcoin as a commodity, an asset without an issuer. And so if that's the case, right, you know, I've said many times before, I've said, if it's not going to zero, it's going to a million. The reason it would go to zero is it's illegitimate or getting banned. And so the question is, is it illegitimate? Well, obviously not. It's an asset without an issuer. It's the world's first digital commodity and the greatest digital commodity. It's the only uh, globally acknowledged digital commodity in the world. There is controversy about everything else. Bitcoin is the one non-controversial thing. So it is a legitimate asset. And is it being banned? Obviously not. The Chinese haven't banned it. It's, it's deemed property in China. The Russians haven't banned it. It's property in Russia. The Americans haven't banned it. It's property in America. Which reminds me, breaking news this morning, that Hong Kong and China are launching Bitcoin ETFs in China physical, physical Bitcoin ETFs in China. Hmm, I wonder why. I wonder why. Oh, that's right. Because they have FOMO. The little guys in China, they can't really buy it. But the rich in China, they care. I wonder. All of the controversy in our, in our marketplace right now is surrounding crypto exchanges, the trading of unregistered securities, other tokens, and stable coins. 
And, and then the usage of these crypto tokens as a high-speed dollar substitute, a, a currency substitute. There's lots of controversy there. There will continue to be controversy. Uh, it is unclear how all that sorts itself out, except for the fact that there are two great uh, conclusions you can come to over the past 24 months. Uh, Wall Street, the regulators, and the mainstream investment community endorses Bitcoin and appreciates Bitcoin. And everybody's skeptical of the rest of the crypto ecosystem, right? Bitcoin, yes. Crypto, not so sure, right? So, so that's where we are right now. Um, I, I, I have met with lots of, lots of executives from these companies that are bringing uh, spot ETFs to market. I can tell you for a fact, nobody wants to fix Bitcoin. Nobody wants to change Bitcoin. They've approached it with humility. They've approached it with grace. Their view is Bitcoin is a digital asset. People in the world seem to want it. Um, we should do our part to provide services to make it easy to acquire and hold Bitcoin. Now, in, in time, right, uh, the, the first and easiest step and the most critical step is that spot ETF because that'll open up the, the super highway for, it's like a power, a power line for hundreds of billions of dollars of capital to flow into the ecosystem. But eventually, Google and Apple will embrace Bitcoin. And when Google or Apple embraces Bitcoin and Apple puts some sort of Bitcoin signing device into the iPhone, there will be some people that will be skeptical and they will say, oh, we can never trust Apple. And that's reasonable. And other people will say, oh, well, it's an option for the masses that don't know how to you know, operate their own hardware wallet. And there'll be a debate. And then, and then there'll be an avalanche and then Apple, you know, the Amazon will do something and then Microsoft will build it into their browser and then people will hate that. And then some other company will come up with a better Bitcoin only one and we'll like that. And maybe they'll succeed and they'll grow and be 10 or 100X and maybe they won't. And then maybe at some point we'll wake up and there'll be $4 billion, which will be of, of 4 billion people and they will self custody some amount of their own Bitcoin. And then they will have other Bitcoin that will be in an ETF in their retirement plan because their employer required that they actually have their retirement plan uh, with a securities custodian. And, and the world will be heterogeneous. And every, you know, we should embrace everybody that supports Bitcoin, however they support Bitcoin. You won't agree with them. Maybe you won't like that nation and you won't like that company and you won't like that money manager. And you will always have the option to do your own thing. And that's what makes Bitcoin beautiful. But um, we shouldn't actually discourage people that want to bring their resources to bear. And if you have $10 trillion worth of client money, and currently they can't invest in Bitcoin, and you rewire your systems to allow them to buy Bitcoin, then you're a friend of Bitcoin. You're not an enemy of Bitcoin. And and. Until someone says, oh, by the way, we also want to change the protocol, right? They're our friend. When they decide they want to change the protocol or, you know, or fix Bitcoin, then you have to take a different position. But I, I can say for, uh, from personal knowledge, nobody on Wall Street wants to fix Bitcoin. They just want to be part. They want to join the party. They want to be helpful. Yet, for some reason, we do have a debate about the 21 million hard cap. We do have a debate about the so-called Bitcoin security budget in some circles of the Bitcoin um, community. Uh, what is happening there? Are you worried about that? Um, yeah. You know, I, I've met executives that run companies that have 100 million customers. I've met executives that run companies that have hundreds of billions of dollars of capital. I've met executives that manage trillions and trillions of dollars of capital. When I talk to them about Bitcoin, they say, oh, we like Bitcoin. We love the fact there's a 21 million cap. We like the, you know, we like the protocol. This is great. Not a single one of them suggests changing it. You know who suggests changing it? It's people that have no money, no power, no influence, who are looking to make a name for themselves, right? So they're trolls. 
it's on, on Twitter. If you actually post, Satoshi did a good job, Bitcoin is great, let's support Bitcoin. Well, you're one of a million and, and everybody, people might agree with you, but you don't stand out. But if you go on Twitter and say, I found a defect in Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, I think in 18 years, this bad thing will happen to Bitcoin. Well, then you get a lot of engagement. A lot of people disagree with you, but you're irritating and you're enraging, right? And they say enragement is engagement. So um, I think that, uh, that people on Twitter are very sensitive. Nobody in the real world is worried about this, right? Nobody off Twitter is worried about this. On Twitter, you, you see people all the time that are, that are provocateurs. And so they will just pick something that works fine and they'll attack it, right? And they'll, and they'll question it. But, you know, like, you know, who wants to change the code and fix Bitcoin? Well, you know, Greenpeace, you know, why do they want to do it? Because they got paid $5 million by enemies of Bitcoin to do it, right? If, right? So the people that are questioning it are people that want to raise money. If, if, if I want to raise $10 million of capital, you know, uh, to buy Bitcoin, it's very difficult. Okay, why do you want my money? Uh, I want to take your $10 million, I want to buy Bitcoin. Okay, well, I can just buy the Bitcoin myself. I, why do I need you? It's very difficult. You have to show that you're providing a service. But if I raise the $10 million to, to, to build the next Bitcoin or to fix Bitcoin or to, or to do something, and if I can say that there's a defect, then maybe I raise the money. So I really think that um, the criticism comes from people that are looking to either raise money or they're looking to acquire influence or, you know, it's like, I want to get followers, so I go attack somebody, or I quibble with them. I'm, you know, I fight with a famous person who's got 100x more followers than me, hoping they'll respond to me, so that maybe I get some of their followers. But it's really trollish behavior, and, uh, and it's, more, uh, it's more driven by, ironically, by those who have no influence and no money, right? You, the people that have the billions of dollars of Bitcoin aren't at all worried. And the people that can buy billions of dollars of Bitcoin tomorrow aren't at all thinking about this. What they're thinking about is how do I rewire my accounting system and how do I get authorization from the SEC to buy the billions of Bitcoin? They're concerned about more pedestrian things like how do I integrate it with my system? How do I explain it to my investors and how do I do it in a compliant fashion? You've been buying hundreds of thousands of Bitcoin for MicroStrategy. You're an absolute trailblazer when it comes to using Bitcoin as um, an asset in your company, as a treasury asset. Uh, so where do we stand there? Um, what are the next steps? When are we going to see big, other big companies adopting Bitcoin, maybe even in Europe? And also, if Bitcoin is now uh, embraced by Wall Street, Shouldn't the next question be, when are central banks going to enter the frame and how are they going to do it? I, I think that there are really three, three milestones we need for massive adoption of Bitcoin by governments, by thousands of companies, by all of the investors in the world. Uh, the first and the most important one, the one that's going to dominate this cycle is going to be the spot ETF because futures ETFs are just literally defective, right? If, if I said I'm going to charge you a 10% fee per year to invest your money, like your money's gone in seven years, right? I'm just taking it all, right? So, so uh, that makes no sense. So the spot ETF is going to be critical. It's going to solve the problem of, of how do I custody the Bitcoin? M most of these companies uh, and investors, if, if they want to establish their own custody program, it's, it's very scary, right? Have you noticed how many custodians have failed? And the issue is, how do I find an institutional grade custodian? And okay, well, you could say like, you should self custody. Well, how does, you know, who would Microsoft is supposed to self custody? Like, do you want to get, you, you're going to give $100 billion of Bitcoin to, to the CFO and have the CFO walk around with the private keys? Like, who wants that job, right? Like, 
how are you going to you're going to do multi-sig well which three people at microsoft right so it becomes a question and it takes them a year or two years to answer the question and is it possible sure it is it just takes two or three years and so if if we want mass adoption we have to solve the problem of custody and then we have to solve the problem of compliance right if if I'm an investor and I have $10 billion of capital and I want to buy $100 million worth of Apple stock, I can do it in 30 seconds via BlackRock or via one of my major money managers. And I don't even have to, I don't even have to come up with $100 million. I could, I could have a nickel make a phone call and say, buy $100 million of Apple stock. Put the phone down and have all the money at the end of the day without putting up any cash. And it would be my bank, like JP Morgan, that would front me the money. So you see, it's completely financeable, no money down. I can do it in 30 seconds. And then it flows into my systems, like my accounting system, my compensation system. When Apple stock doubles, the portfolio manager that actually made the buy wants to get paid. So how do I attribute the success of the investment to the person that made the investment when it's changing every minute of the day? How do I pay taxes on it? How do I, how do I make sure I don't, how do I make sure I don't have a Nick Leeson situation where one portfolio manager makes a $10 billion bet and bankrupts the entire firm, right? So these are all pedestrian problems, but they're solved by that spot ETF plugged into the money manager. That's gonna be the number one driver, right? And, and that's gonna dwarf everything else in the near term. The second driver is the FASB fair value accounting. Because if I'm a corporation and I have a billion dollars of cash flow this year, I normally would have to either put it into dollars or euros. And I know I'm losing 7% of its value every year in a normal monetary inflation environment. Or I'd have to buy sovereign debt, like euro bonds or treasury bonds. And then I'm just losing 2 3 4% of its value every year. And I can do one of those two things. But I can't invest it in any other property that's going to go up in value. Because, like, how do I buy a billion-dollar building every month? And then if I need to get $500 million back, how do I sell half the building in one day? So property, like real estate, is not liquid, and, so, and it's not fungible. So that makes no sense. So then the question is, well, can I just buy a billion dollars of Apple stock? No, because it's a security, and it turns out that there are regulatory requirements to say a public company can't have more than 40% of its liquid assets and securities. So when I have 45% of my, if, if I buy, if I have a billion dollars and I buy 200 million worth of Apple stock and it doubles, I trip that covenant. And then what happens is I'm an SEC 40 company. And what that means is I can't issue debt and I can't issue stock options. And it means the entire company blows up. <laughs> like the entire operating business blows up, right? And, and so I don't know how to say this in any way other than everybody gets fired, everything comes to a grinding halt. So the question is, if you're a CFO, you think you're gonna risk that? Of course not. The board will fire the CEO, then fire the CFO, then fire itself before it will risk tripping over that compliance covenant. So what does that mean? It means that any, any major company has to have a treasury which consists of cash and sovereign debt. That's pretty much it. And, and sovereign debt, although it is a, it is a security in one way because there's a counterparty risk, there is a waiver, a carve out by the regulators that allows companies to treat it like it was a commodity or like a currency instead of treating it like a security. So when FASB ad adopted fair value accounting, they actually put Bitcoin parapasu with treasury bonds. They now, what that means is Bitcoin is the first financial asset that's an asset. Are you buying and selling cryptos on the same laptop that you're using to browse the internet, read your email, and visit social media sites? If so, you're exposing your cryptos to theft. Whenever you're online, you're at risk of getting hacked and having your identity stolen. 
How would you feel if someone stole all of your cryptos? What would that do to your finances? Guard your cryptos with a safe and secure laptop from Calix Solutions. Each laptop is set up just for you and your cryptos, and then we walk you through exactly how it works. Don't risk the security of your cryptos. Order a crypto laptop from Calix Solutions now to secure your crypto future. Learn more at calixsolutions.io. Asset without an issuer that's fungible, that's liquid, that could be held on a treasury comparable to sovereign debt. But the difference is sovereign debt is going to have a negative real yield of 4% a year. And Bitcoin is going to appreciate even in the long term after all this near-term adoption and then the bull markets run out. If you roll the clock forward a decade, two decades, you can expect that over the long term, over a century, if the S&P index appreciates 7% a year because the money supply is expanding 7% a year, Bitcoin should appreciate 14% a year. So Bitcoin is an appreciating asset on your treasury. Let's just say I'm being very conservative, 14% a year, whereas the, you know, you're getting 14% tax deferred, no tax, whereas if you hold the sovereign debt, you might get 5% taxable. So you're getting an after-tax yield of 3% on sovereign debt, and you're getting a tax-deferred yield of 14% on the Bitcoin in the conservative case. And then your alternative is the competitive, competitor is owning buildings and land, but as I pointed out, it's not liquid treasury assets. So I think that this FASB decision means that Bitcoin can now be a treasury reserve asset for mega corporations. And that's going to drive and open the door for corporations. Instead of investing, instead of investing all of their treasury assets in sovereign debt, they can start to allocate to Bitcoin. But here's a bigger idea. The bigger idea is Apple can't actually keep their cash flow right now. Apple generates hundreds of billions of dollars of cash flow, but they can't keep it because they know that the debt is negative yielding. So what they do is they buy their stock back or they do acquisitions with it or they dividend it out. Those are the three uses of cash of a public company. You either do an acquisition, you dividend out the cash, or you buy your stock back and you go to negative working capital. So you borrow money instead of accumulate capital. And if I borrow a hundred billion dollars, then this, this dynamic of negative real yield works the opposite way. Instead of having a negative real yield of 4% on $100 billion, I have the positive yield because I borrowed $100 billion, right? And then I bought my stock with it, which is appreciating at 14%. So the big idea here is you could see a change in the way people view treasury theory and companies start to keep their cash flows and invest them in Bitcoin because they can, instead of surrendering all their cash flows and running without any capital. It's, it's funny that you would mention Apple because Apple TV has taken over the screen that's behind you and um, has replaced, has replaced uh, the picture that you had with... with <laughs> with commercials for its shows. So, so are you saying that companies are now able to use Bitcoin basically as their you know, savings account, as their piggy bank, and that something like this wasn't even possible before? And what about central banks? Hold on one second. No free commercials for Apple. I hope um, Apple stock didn't just crash. Uh, yeah, they'll do okay. Um, okay, listen to what he's about to say. He's about to explain how major companies 
are going to get out of the bond market. Now, this is not Michael Saylor as an individual talking. 